Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world, and welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's your co-host, Jenny Scott, here with my favorite podcast co-host, Dan the Man Duran. How are you, Dan? I am great, Jenny. I am excited. Uh, I get to learn from last year's Idea Personal Trainer of the Year. And I'm going to leave it there so that you can kind of pop out the surprise, but this is going to be good. Yes. So I think this is a very, very important topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, There's a whole movement out there for exercise being medicine and helping treat people. And whether they have a disease, whether they've gone through like a health issue, exercise can help all kinds of people. Um, So with us today, we have Tracy Markley. Hi, Tracy. Hi, guys. Thank Thank you you so much for joining us and congratulations on your win last year. Thank you. Yes. Um, You guys can't see her right now, but she's got all kinds of exercise equipment behind her, like a whole rainbow of stuff back there. It's awesome. I I love to see it. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Tracy, we would love to hear more about your story. So please start us off. Tell us how did you get started in fitness? So how'd you get from where you started to where you are now? Well, I started when I was my late twenties, early thirties. So I'm 56 now, but I started way back then, but I was, I did hair before that and some other things, but, um, I, I was always exercised. I didn't exercise to be fit. I didn't exercise for the looks. It's just, if I didn't move and exercise, I didn't feel good. I was always a kid outside doing handstands and cartwheels and flips. And, nice. and so it just kind of, then I decided one day I want to be a trainer. So basically I bought, you know, cause back in the day, then you just bought a thick manual, read it and you go sign up for tests. Right. And like, there's, I know me, I can't read a book and learn and do this. So I, when I saw that you had to be CPR certified to even take your test, I went to, um, I looked up certificate uh, CPR and I saw that one of the colleges near, near the house had a CPR and first aid session course. So I went to the college to take that. And he said, he asked why we're doing it. And I said, because I need to take the test. Here's the big book. And um, I don't know if you guys want me to say what company it was. But anyway, so I never took it with them. He said, we have a, t- a two-year program here for fitness specialty, personal training. So I took that, which was a lot nice. more intense. And we saw cadavers and, and you know, all muscle. And then you had separate anatomy and physiology classes. So it was more of a program. And so I graduated in that. And once I graduated, well, actually it was about two months before I graduated, someone contacted me, a girl who was a member of IDEA. I was a member of IDEA and she wanted to sell her business. She was going into selling candles or something and it was really cheap. And so um, I got it and I just took over her business. She was renting a little one room studio from a chiropractor. So I did that part-time that went full-time and just, but what happened was when I took over her business, I would get clients that had fibromyalgia, arthritis, lupus, things we didn't learn about ever, or you just got one paragraph of education. I'm like, there's no way I can help these people. Honestly, you would have to like pretend and they know I'm pretending. So I found, I started reaching out and I found people that did, you know, full on core functional. This is before core was the name, um, spine training, you know, 
deep spine muscles and core training and arth- I found a nurse that did courses on arthritis, fibromyalgia, um, osteoporosis. So I just started taking them all. And then I just kind of, I think I got the reputation of the physical therapist trainer, but I didn't try to, but I just knew I couldn't honestly work with people who have issues if I didn't know more. I had to know more, even though the school taught a lot, but they didn't teach diseases or if someone came in after back surgery or, you know, things like that. So yeah. that's kind of got me into how I am. And then stroke survivors just kind of started coming to me. But one day in 2017, someone came in in a walker and I've never had someone that raw. I was kind of nervous, but at work I had a great story. He wanted a story change. And that brought me to a book to write the book. And then it just kind of went from there to nice. keep doing stuff like that. So that's, That's my awesome. story. <laughs> so you really, did you really find a passion for working with stroke survivors from that yeah. client? Because I found all the knowledge and the way I trained automatically worked for them. The way, you know, the spine and the spine movements and the core and proprioception, spatial awareness and all that it's needed for them. Sure. So just kind of like, oh my God, this really works for someone trying to get out of a walker. And, you know, some of the brain things are going through and it just kind of went from there. And then after I did my first book, I got messages and calls from trainers and stroke survivors all over. I mean, stroke survivors, trainers too, but stroke survivors and caregivers. Can you write another book like this? So that led me to my next book. And then they asked me, can you write a book on arm recovery? Can you write a book on leg recovery? I'm like, okay. So I just did. But what I found during this process, because I was at a certain, uh, I was in, I'm in back in California now. I grew up here in Long Beach, but I was in Oregon for eight years. And it was when well, I'm pointing up, I'm just pointing. Anyway, um, it was a senior community. Didn't realize when I moved, there was a small town, but not a lot of the trainers weren't certified. So my clients would look around and go, these people, you know, so it made me see how many people don't have the muscle knowledge. They're not seeking out further. They're kind of making up and faking it. And after I trained my client, you know, my Gary, client Gary finally, he did pass away. But when I was, after the book was published, I sat one day and I went, I just started crying because I thought if he would have went with a trainer that didn't have knowledge, he would have still had his dropped foot, still had his issues. And he would have thought it was a stroke that limited him. He would not understand it was the knowledge of the professional. So I got this strong passion to try to share what I know. So trainers that get stroke survivors could have the more knowledge for it, not just Googling or Zooming a couple exercises. They, oh, here's the five top exercises because there's really not five top exercises for a yeah. survivor. It's individual, it's their brain, it's their, you know, there's a whole package to what it is. So that's where I got the passion to teach. That's why I, I have the stroke recovery course now in an anatomy course, a functional anatomy course to teach a lot more muscles and movement to help. So um, that's kind of how it all kind of just kept going. <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah, amazing. And and so you opened the can of worms by uh, talking <laughs> about how long you've been doing this and, yeah. and you got certified a while back. Can you put a, a an approximate like year or uh, when was it that you started gravitating toward this medical approach and working with stroke victims and so forth. What whereabouts were when the was stroke that? Stroke was about 2013 where I got more more of the stroke. But since my first couple of years, I started getting people that came out of rehab, people that I gotta get a hip surgery, I gotta get a knee surgery, I need to strengthen my abductors or adductors and things like this. Um, I get people with lupus. I had a few people with MS. 
that just, that's kind of like how I ever, I was from the very beginning. It just, I think because I got those certifications, I had, I had a lot of clients with fibromyalgia, um, but the stroke and the more neuro took off more around 2014 ish. When okay, I met that almost. one client, because that, when the people in the gym, the, the clients and, you know, other people that went to the gym saw they, cause he would be there five days a week and they'd watch him. They yeah. saw him from the beginning. They would see him. They'd see his attitude change. And so he became like the, the person that walked around every day saying, you can do it. You can do it. So they watched what I did with him. So that was like a, you know, that made them see me differently there too. That kind of opened the door to, oh, she can do this. So a lot of therapists in town started, they would send me people because it was being in the small town, the therapist, there's one big gym. Everybody worked there. So the doctors in town worked there. The therapists worked there. So that helped. That kind of doesn't happen in big cities. So I think it was good I was there because it helped me. I learned more because you learn when you, you know, the more you work with strokes, you learn. <laughs> and they're also Absolutely. different. Well, and, and Tracy, the reason I asked is, I mean, you were, you were ahead, of, ahead of the time. So, yeah. you know, going back over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there, it was not very common. It still isn't, but it certainly wasn't then for people to specialize in that yeah. area. Would you say that you've seen a shift um, in more awareness and more people seeking out education and the ability to specialize in those areas? I do. I want to say I see more people seeking out education, but I also see people, and this is just me, faking they have it. They start putting things. I'm a specialist. I do this. Like, well, what have you done? So in my, when I teach, I say, whatever you do, don't fake it because you will limit the, as in stroke survivors, you will limit them. So um, I'll give you two quick examples. One time, so I started a stroke support group on Facebook. It just hit over 5,000 people the other day. And that's a small one. There's ones with 15,000. I mean, there's so many stroke survivors worldwide just in these groups asking for help. Do you sleep? I don't sleep. How do you work your arm? They're just, they're lost after physical therapy. And they, some of them possibly had a physical therapist that didn't advance their knowledge. Because just like trainers, we have our basic stuff and then you advance out, you know, or you're a doctor, you want to be a surgeon of the brain. You, know, you have to specialize in your teaching. Um, physical therapists don't always do that either. They may just stay in the same baseline. So depending on what they went through, they're in these groups talking. So I asked one day a couple of years ago, I think it's like 2017 or 18, what is your guys' biggest struggle or challenges you have found reaching out to fitness professionals to help you after stroke, to stroke after your physical therapy ended. And there were some good stories, but 70, 80% of them were stories. I'm like, oh my God. They're like, they don't know muscles. They treat, treat us irrelevant. They don't know what they're doing. So many of them just said these people don't know, have the knowledge. And then two stories, one guy, show, so because it falls into their personalities too, just like with weight loss, the ones that push themselves, the ones that don't. Okay, so- one guy said he got back to the gym and he was with a, a male trainer and the trainer said, go warm up on the treadmill. And the guy said, well, one, I had my stroke on a treadmill. I'm nervous. And two, I'm nervous because I don't have the stability. And the trainer told him, um, that's just excuses, dude, anyway. Oh, my gosh. And the guy said, I wanted to hit him, but that was my stroke affected oh. arm. And he said, so I give up. I'm not looking anymore. And that's his wow. personality plus on top of his experience. 
But then this other story was a man that said he went through 10 trainers. He was not going to give up until he found one. So he found a trainer that was a, a paramedic and he trained part time. And the guy said, the trainer said, I know a lot about stroke, but not training them. Let me look into things and learn stuff. So he went, they trained together. And then a year or so later, they're bodybuilding together. Nice. So you have wow. the extremes of the knowledge of people. Then you have the extremes of just dealing with the personalities and their hard times, you know, all that too. But that was a good example of just showing the difference. And what's going through. Oh my gosh. So this hits me on so many levels, Tracy. Um, Cause I'll tell you um, like my dad has multiple sclerosis and he's actually wheelchair bound. And this is, it's progressed very quickly in the last eight to 10 years for him. And then there's people out there who have multiple sclerosis who you couldn't tell unless they told you, right? Yeah. Like so there's varying degrees of it. Right. But the hardest thing is that to your point, like there's so many people out there who need help because these medical conditions, like we're not talking about chronic conditions like obesity or diabetes, things that you can actively like prevent Right. In a lot of cases, you can 100 percent percent a lot of the, or uh, prevent a lot of those things. But strokes, heart attacks, multiple sclerosis, things like that. A lot of times it's genetic or you have no control over it. Exactly. Uh, it happened to them. You can truly say that. And a lot of these people, I feel like they decline so quickly because they have no help to your point, they have nobody that will help them get up and move. Like it yeah. breaks my heart because my dad lives in a different state from me and I wish I could help him, but he, he can't move to Arizona because the heat affects him in a different yeah. way. Um, or yeah, they, they just, the mental, it's a mental thing. A lot of it is a mental thing for them. You talked about attitude and like people's attitude change when they feel better and they can move again. Imagine everything that you're able to do today, tomorrow, you can't do it. Yeah. That's hard. It's so hard to yeah. deal with. It might not just be a physical thing. Yes, it's a physical thing, but the mental aspect of it is tremendous. And so some I people applaud have you. control over their mental and some people don't. It depends. Yeah. As when you could MS, MS isn't a brain injury, but it could affect them in a way, mm -hmm. you know, and um, with other neuro conditions and brain injuries, you know, stroke is brain injury, but you know, yeah. brain injury, the kind of, you know, from car accidents stuff too. Sometimes it's how the injury hit them that they can't get the right state of mind. And sometimes it's just life. Like when I met Gary, the one was in my first book, the one that walked in with a walker, there was like a magical moment because he walked in in the walker. There were a few minutes early for the appointment and I was finishing a client and they were approaching me, but it was him. And as I met them, I knew who they were. It was just him, him, his sister, his brother-in-law and his neighbor. And they were giggling a lot together. They had this bond and love between them and he had help and they laughed a lot. And I remember approaching and I just got this vibe. It's like, there's something special about this person. And my gut just said, I'm supposed to know him for more than this. I just knew. And then as we talked for a few minutes standing there, a lady was on a, oh, I forget what that, it's like elliptical, but it's a sit down one. They use a lot after rehab for um, heart patients. They yeah. use their legs. I forget the name of the machine. She's, she's, and it sounds funny, but she was in all white. She had white hair. So she was like angelic. She gets up and reaches over to him and puts her hand on his shoulder and said, you're going to get through this. I did. Look at me. I had a stroke two years ago. And it was just seemed like this, oh. such meant to be magical moment. You yeah. know, so it's good to always trust your gut instinct. So, and as we worked out together, he would stop a lot and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I got to stop for a second. Don't have a stroke, they suck. Or he'd just say something. So one day I said, you know what? And he always wanted his story shared. He said, so I said, okay, we need to write a book called Dear Stroke, You Suck. Yeah. And then, then I'm like, oh God, now I have to do it. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> but, I, but he was an artist. So right before the book came out, I changed the name of the book to The Stroke of an Artist. 
And then when COVID hit, I brought the book back out with the original name. So it's on Amazon under both names right now, just because I don't know, my gut said to do it, so I did. So I also made a larger print and made the um, illustrations bigger. Nice. Because we'll definitely book. link the book links so that everybody can go check out your books. That's awesome. Love it. Um, but yeah, another great point that you brought up though, is that you yourself have educated, you've, you've learned as much as you can about strokes and you're constantly learning about it. There's a lot of people out there who don't and say that they're their quote, quote, specialist in yeah. something. Um, if you come across a condition that you want to work with, like you have to educate yourself. Um, how are some ways that you went about educating yourself about stroke victims outside of just your experience working with them? Um, well, I just started with a, cause so you figure stroke is the brain stopping communicating to movements basically you know mm -hmm. the brain injury if that's one way to put it and you need to get the brain if it possible some people's brains just won't ever do it some do and you don't know until they do consistently for a long time but if the brain's able to make the new pathways for movements you have to know those movements so it wasn't like i specifically went and studied how do you move body for a stroke it's just like if somebody's hand is clenched, the brain is making it clenched in spasticity, but it needs to retrain to flex it back, expand, extend it back open. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what muscles extend the hand, how can we ever help the brain try to make the extension movement? So I just went from just the, I don't want to say common sense, but the mechanical purpose, the mechanical, yes. this bends this, this bends that, we must make that movement. Um, cause I was noticing a lot of clients would come who had the, their hands and the, you know, curled up and clenched and they would, the, the, what did the therapist give them to do? Squeeze the ball, squeeze the ball, squeeze the ball. It's like, I don't understand that the brain knows this. It needs to go the other way. So oh, I just was kind of going by the common sense of the body. I reached out and, and like, I've listened to, um, neuroscientists lecture on brain injuries and stroke, stroke and neuro things and the neurons and things in the brain. But I didn't take a course myself on stroke recovery. It was all the bundled education that went with it. Because it is that you have to know, you know, like some people are trying to get the, their arms to move and bend, but their shoulder blades are stuck. And mm -hmm. if they don't know all the movements that, you know, that move the shoulder, if you're training someone, you don't know what makes the shoulder blades move around. They're not going to be able to do some of the movements because their shoulders have to move the shoulder blades scaffold, you know, they move with movement. So it's just kind of like really knowing the biomechanics of the body and then knowing how to communicate with people because sometimes they forget in the middle of a sentence what they're saying. Sure. They forget a word. You have to be patient with them. Um, understanding the home environment. So the people that get love and laughter and they're not lonely through the recovery, I feel they do so much better. I would agree with that. Yeah. Then the ones that go home that people ignore them and they hide in their bedroom because the psyche plays a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And because um, I've had clients come to me where they had to take taxis to me and the taxis show up late and they pick them up an hour later. And it's just, they just feel like they're a burden everywhere they go. Then you have ones that their friends are driving them. You're like Gary, his friends brought him, his wife brought him, his sister brought him, the neighbors brought him. He was just like, he had so much and he made great progress. Yeah. I don't know if he'd make that much progress if his surroundings were different. I'll never know. But by experience, it just seems like if they have the love and the support, it helps them. 
but a lot of them don't. That's why we have to be kind and, and not say things to them, like always excuses and do the macho yeah. talk, like, you know, just think right, you can do it. I mean, they're like, they're so beyond that. They don't want to hear, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You have to give them love. <laughs> Yeah, wow. no, but I, I understand and I completely agree with what you're talking about with biomechanics and understanding how the body moves. When I teach our boot camps here at ISSA where we're teaching people the CPT material the, to be entry-level personal trainers, I try and explain that to them. Like, if you understand how the body moves, like what muscle are you trying to work? What joint are you trying to involve? What muscles control that joint? What muscles create that movement? Um, my peer, John and I, we, we try and drive that home. Like, it's really that simple. If you understand that, everything else becomes super, super simple. Exactly, you can put them all <laughs> together. Well, when I went, went to the college, when I went to the, when I started the program, the first five minutes in class, the first thing that the instructor said was, you need to just remember this, you need to know why you're, why you're doing a movement and why you're making that client do it. Otherwise you're never gonna do well. And that just, that made sense to me, it's common sense. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just say who do 50 lunges and do 20 squats and well, why are you making that one do the squats? What, what is your reason? It's not always the same thing. Like some people, I would never even let them do a squat. They can't. I don't squat nor, I don't do normal basic squats because I have scoliosis and it always hurts my hip. When I was younger, like in my twenties, I noticed when I squat, I swayed to one side and I thought, well, that can't be good. I'll probably wear out one hip. So I do other things. I just knew that. So I don't push my clients in that either. I just, you know, so my stuff I went through myself kind of helped too. Yeah. Understanding those things, so. It's that time. Another ISSA rapid review coming at you. Matthew had this to say about our specialist in strength and conditioning. The strength and conditioning coach course was very informative and exceeded my expectations on what I expected to learn. That's perfect. Thanks, Matthew. So Tracy, the theme here for the listeners is that Tracy began as a student with a willingness and a desire to learn more, which has not left. She yeah. continues to learn and has that burning desire to learn more. But what's happened in the meantime is she's had the ability to educate. So take what she's learned and be able to write books and educate others. And I believe, Tracy, one of the things that you do is uh, host a radio show, the, the Health and Fitness Show with Tracy. Is that correct? Yeah. Can you tell it's us a, about that? It's a, it, in Florence, Oregon. They let me still do my show from here and now I'm back in Long Beach because I pre-record it and I have to like edit it all myself and send it to them. Um, but then they put my ends and pieces on for me. So it's a 10 minute show and it used to be on at Mondays a specific time, but now he's using them as fillers everywhere. So sometimes I'll talk about stroke recovery. Sometimes I'll talk about drinking your water. Sometimes I'll talk about, you know, just whatever, unless someone writes it and says, can you talk about this? Other times I just, you know, how walking your dog burns calories, just anything health wise, you know, I just come up with a subject and talk about it. And um, yeah, <laughs> that sounds like fun. So it's fun. Yeah. But beyond that, what other opportunities do you offer for people to be able to learn from you? I well, I have my 10 books. I have 10 books now. I published my um, 10th one last month. Um, and it's an anatomy book. And I have my two courses. I have um, stroke recovery training course where you could take the course and learn at least as much as I know, like try to you could teach without extra experience. And then I did a functional anatomy 101 course, which is basically kind of my book, but put into a course form, which is biomechanics of your body. 
but the course is called Thanks. Functional Anatomy 101. But it's basically just, and it, it's not a whole bunch of reading. I, I share things like I, I teach the seven moves of the spine and I speak of movements and planes and things. And um, what is abduction or abduction? The things we need to know that we don't always get an expanded version in learning. In learning, we get little bits. And then um, muscles, like here's your tricep, where does it attach? Here's your bicep, where, here, where does it attach? What movements are like just basic. Because when I was in college, they had a, a class, a, a semester class called, um, God, what was it called? I think it was just, I remember the name, it was just muscles, muscles and movement. That is it. You just learn, where's this muscle attached? Where's your, I took it twice. I didn't <laughs> think I can, I couldn't remember. We still don't memorize it all. We do as we stay in the business more. But I took it twice. I wanted to really make sure I understood it. Because if you don't, then what, you know. But it was basically... Um, it was cut out of muscle. It was almost like a child's version of it. it was, here's the muscle. And then you had all the muscles. You cut them out and layered them on the body and showed how they went. We had to color them, name them, write about them, know how to spell them. And um, so I got hold of the, the owner of the book. It was a, I, he might have passed by now. The, the book was also used at Long Beach State College. Yeah. And it was a doctor who is now, as of like a few years ago, who was 94 years old, I think. But they gave me permission to um, teach from it and use some things from what I want. So I kind of made my own version, but different. It's a little more different. Um, I have more colored, big colored pictures and stuff in it. But yeah, so I had that connection too, because I still stay connected to one of my college professors. Nice. I love that you like write all these books and like have your hand in all these books. <laughs> I do love a good book. I have several anatomy coloring books myself. <laughs> We all had that one. Remember the one where we all had the color, you color them in and yeah, I forget. It was a big, thick white one. Yeah. Super. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. The thick one with the white cover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Well, Tracy, as a trainer who focuses so much on the medical side of health and fitness, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to get into it the, in the same way, whether it's with stroke victims or multiple sclerosis or any other medical condition out there, they really want to work with those type of people. I would say you know, take courses, learn from, I know taking courses, you have to put money out and do it. And I know a lot of people, you know, you know, and, and the industry has been hard. People are struggling. They don't have money, a lot of money to spend. It's, you know, it's changed so much. But if you can invest in some quality education, I suggest that. Um, if you do know medical people or physical therapists that can talk to you, not everybody does. We don't always have that opportunity. I did. Um, Sometimes they don't want to interact with us because they don't, you know, they know more than us. You know, it just depends. But making the connection helps, you know. So one thing, get knowledge. And you're always going to learn. Like, I'll, I'll still meet survivors. They, I go, I've never heard of that stroke before. You know, so you're constantly learning. It's just what it is. People come in and it's like, what? I never heard of that. So you go look it up. It's like, oh, yeah. You learn about the medications. Um, I would just say it's learn what if you want to learn about a specific thing you have to go study it and try to find um not like oh i found a youtube video it's all free try to really find something where you know you're getting quality work because the thing is if you get a quality quality knowledge and then you get a certificate you now have the certificate you can show people you can use that to show doctors around. You can say, you know, send a letter to your neurologist. Here's my certificate in this. Here's my experience. Here's this. Um, I work with so many, you know, people with MS or whatever you're working with. If you ever need, you know, 
to send something, you know, reach out to those people. But if you, instead of just saying I'm this and that, if you actually have a certificate to show them, I think that gives you more credibility with the professionals that you can interact with. Cause the medical, cause, cause I know now they call it, you know, medical fitness. Um, even though it's the same thing, like I've always done, there's a title on it now. Um, so you have to kind of always adjust what you do and your paperwork and your cards to kind of fit what, you know, on your websites. Just make sure you're, I suggest make sure you're real with it. Don't just say you are, don't say you, okay, this probably, I don't want this to sound bad. You know, don't say you specialize in something just because maybe you're helped your sister with it or yeah. you know, like people who, um, they lost their weight. So now they're specialists in weight lossing, but they have no degree or no certificate, nothing to back it. But, and I don't mean to, to bash those people, but to truly, you know, connect your clients for them to trust you. They want to see things like if I should, like when I sit down with my clients, I, when I first meet them, I always have my little notebook and have pictures of muscles. I'll show them the transverse muscle. I'll show them the rotator cuff muscles, they have shoulders. I'll let them show them and say, now this has to get strong for the, I'll, I'll educate the person with what I know. So, so if the clients understand that, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Plus it makes you stand out from the other people because they'll understand this person knows what they're doing. Because some people have been burned by fitness professionals. They, I've had people come in, okay, the last two people, one person moved to Hawaii and stole money from me and this person you know, hurt my back. So you already have to prove yourself to them that you're, but if you have, well, here's my certificate and let me show you muscles of the spine. So you're probably hurting because of this, you kind of extend your knowledge with them. I think that helps a lot. That makes them trust you instantly. Yeah. And you're, you stand out from the people that kind of fake it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think that I would even take it another step further. If, you, if there's a specific condition that you're passionate about, like first, Tracy, when I first learned about you, I was like, oh, she must have had a stroke herself. No, you didn't. You just found a passion for working with people yeah. who have. But there's also a way to connect with medical professionals that work with people, right? Physical therapists who work with people with this, whatever specific conditions or, or condition that you're interested in. Get with them, right? Learn more about the condition. That's the biggest thing. You have to know what it is. What degrees are there of this yeah. condition, right? How does it affect the body? How does you know exercise affect it? Things like that. But if you connect with people who treat it and who see patients yeah. who have the condition, not only do you have an in, right? They might refer people to you, but you have a really solid chance to learn more about it in an environment yeah. where you're actually around it. Um, Cause well, to your point, I, working with one person isn't enough. Oh, isn't enough. And plus years ago, oh God, this is late eighties, maybe early nineties. I had a client who was, I think she was 72. She was getting a knee replacement and I was, I had my studio in Huntington beach for 17 years. And so her doctor at Hogue hospital and, Newport was doing a lecture on how to exercise after knee surgery. So she asked me to go to her. So I went, it's like a three hour lecture. It was cool. He had to show some of the surgery, which I'm like this. I don't want to see that part. <laughs> I did not be a nurse or doctor, but he taught things I wouldn't have learned anywhere. So if you have those kind of opportunities, the hospitals and, yeah. and some things have classes for people like, you know, exercise to do before your hip replacement, you know, exercise. If you go to the hospitals and the physical therapist teaching things like that, if you have the opportunity, I, sometimes you have to have, you meet either a patient there, but sometimes there's opportunities for you look for those. Cause yeah. you learn straight from the source. And that was going mm -hmm. to that thing. I learned so much. 
Yeah. Funny that you say that. My mom actually volunteers at the local hospital here in Arizona by her house because um, she's retired. She's hanging out. Um, she volunteers there and she teaches community classes because she used to be a teacher. She loves it. And she teaches community classes for people who are just out of like um, hormone or thyroid surgeries mm -hmm. um, specifically because she had her thyroid removed from cancer um, and also people with diabetes, how to manage their diabetes and live a healthier life. Like she actually teaches courses That's about me. that That's at the nice. hospital. Yeah. And those yeah. are things people should go take because mm -hmm. obviously if you're at, if the community centers or hospitals, you know, most likely it's pretty sure, pretty clear are letting you teach there that that person probably has the knowledge to do it and reach out for them, find them. They can find, there could be free things too, but just, um, just know, like usually just, you know, to specialize in something, you have to take more than just the basic personal training thing that's enough yeah. to kind of say you're a trainer but you need you know you need more and then you just learn more like when people like when they came in about lupus so the, my first thing i'm like i went to the Huntington beach library it's a huge library i checked out books on lupus i checked out books on fibromyalgia i'm reading I'm going i can't learn how to exercise people this so i i don't know if we had google back then but i went on the internet we had <laughs> back then, and i searched and i found this nurse and i think she was Oh, desert fitness something back in the day, but it was an RN that wrote these courses specifically. She had breast breast cancer. She had like fifteen different ones. Yeah. So, um, and then she showed how to exercise. You have fibromyalgia. I mean, things have changed since then. You know, you keep up your. You have to up your studies. So, yeah, you just seek it out. You learn things, and the one and one kind of crosses over the other sometimes too. You know, yeah. when you learn about strokes, mm -hmm. a lot of people may take my stroke course and learn, they're going to learn there about drop foot. Well, there's people that come into you that have dropped foot, but never even had a stroke. They have it for other reasons. So when you take something, you actually learn things that help this and that, you know, kind of, it always reaches to something. Absolutely. We actually have a partnership with MedFit Network. Um, and it has a lot of medical related courses as well. Um, so yeah. we actually give our students a discount to their annual membership, but there's tons yeah. of resources, tons of education, tons of free seminars and stuff yeah. offered through them. Um, I, had your... my, I had my course with them originally, but I moved it. Did you? Yeah. So tell us about the course that you do offer and where can we find it? Um, both my courses right now are on um, the Functioning Aging, to website, a Functioning Aging Institute website and also perform better Australia has just picked them up oh cool last month so they're on there too so the stroke recovery training is um my all the knowledge I could get out there but the manual it's intense because I can't like teach this much on stroke recovery if I know it takes this much yeah. so the manual is 200 pages but it's filled with lot there is a section on anatomy because if you don't know which like I said, if you don't know which muscles move the shoulder blade and connect the arm movement, you can read as much as you want about stroke recovery. If you don't know what you moves the move, move makes the movement you're trying to make the client get back, it's not going to help you. So Absolutely. there's always all my books have a big chapter in anatomy. So anyway, but the course has that, and I go over exercises and teach a little bit about stroke. I don't teach a whole bunch about the strokes, you know, because basically they learn that from doctors. But uh -huh. I have the three main kind people get the statistics. Um, and then I just get right into it. And then I teach drop foot, we talk about spasticity, neuroplasticity. A lot of them get, um, a lot of stroke survivors have, um, 
subluxation, section at subluxation, their shoulders partially dislocated and massive uh -huh. pain, hip pain. I mean, there's so many things too. So I try to cover everything I can and there's videos and lectures. And then my other book, is, my other course is um, functional anatomy 101. And that's basically like I was explaining earlier. You, here's your arm. Here's the muscles on it. This one helps flex the fingers. This one helps, you know, just, it's just, here's the muscle. Here's what it does. Here's the muscle. Here's what it does just because it helps. So if you're, so to me, if you're like, you have the, for like the course, if you have the course on a PDF and you're like, want to find out which muscles extend the hand, I try to make it so you can go up and search extend hand or hand extension, extension of the femur, whatever. And it will highlight all the sections that cover that. And you can maybe find all the muscles related. That's how I hope it worked. Nice. <laughs> so it'd be like almost like a fun reference to figure it all out. So very cool. Excellent. Well, we're going to link all of those that you just listed, all the places where they can find your courses, your books, you. um, your websites, tracymarkley.com and Tracy's personal training. Um, we'll link those in the description of the episodes. So everybody can check them out as well. And just so you know, too, I just had my, like I was talking to you earlier before we started, my website has just been rebuilt by someone else. They uploaded it yesterday nice. and they don't have everything going there yet. So if you're at my website looking for something and can't find it, message me because she didn't have both courses tonight quite connecting yet. I'm like, no, get those connected. I'm going to interview today, but she's like getting the back, you know, putting it all together still. So if you're having a hard time, message me and I'll get you right to where you need to go. Sweet. Love it. And the, my you. books are on Amazon too. So. And, and speaking of message me, so what is the best way for people to reach you, Tracy? So tracymarkley.com, T-R-A-C-Y-M-A-R-K-L-E-Y.com. But I'm on Instagram. I'm on everything out there. Sometimes you can just Google me and find me. I'm kind of like pieces of different things. But basically, if you go to that website and go to the contact form, I should get it. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tracy, and sharing a little bit about your story um, and the, the things that you've tried, you've learned to specialize in. We appreciate it. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Absolutely. And good luck. Hopefully we'll see you at IDEA this year so you can yes. officially get your award from last year. <laughs> I don't be up there. Yeah, I, I had, you know, when the award, they send the award in the mail and it came in this nice box wrapped with white gloves. It sits on my shelf at home. It doesn't sit here. It sits nice. at a special spot at home. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah, I should have brought it. <laughs> you could have showed it off. Send us a picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank there you, you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Dan, any last words for our listeners today? This is a shining example of what you hear me preach a lot. Keep <laughs> on learning. Yes, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, education is key. I feel like that's pretty much a theme with all of our episodes that we've had like in the last couple months here. Um, you have to keep learning if you want to get better at something. If you want to specialize in something, you have to keep learning. Um, you should never stop learning either. It doesn't matter how old, how young you are, how long you've been doing it. You got to keep, got to keep looking at stuff, got to keep evolving with the industry because it's constant. And I always say knowledge is power, but a couple of weeks ago, I heard someone say applied knowledge is power. I'm like, yes. True. I love it. I agree. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And I will leave you with our usual words of wisdom. Make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.